0: Welcome to the Compliance Files, brought to you by the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere.
1: Hello and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast of the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. I am Kathy Jacobs, President of the ACOI, and it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. No one can have missed the growing and evolving impacts of climate change and the increasing urgency around the need to take effective action on a personal and collective level. It is now firmly on the agenda of all central banks, including the Central Bank of Ireland. And Governor McClough has recently talked about the action being taken in the Central Bank including the recent establishment of the central bank's climate change unit to bring additional focus across all its activities and the embedding of climate change into its supervisory activities. So I'm delighted to welcome as my guest, Anne Shields, asset management and investment funds, knowledge lawyer, in NL Goodbody. Anne joined NL Goodbody in January, 2002 from the legal department of an Irish fund administrator and custodian, where she had previously worked for three years. And specializes in the establishment operation and regulation of all types of USITs non-USITs and alternative investment funds. She also advises leading domestic and international financial institutions in relation to fund operations in Ireland including global administrators and custodians as well as promoters and fund asset managers and also holds a certification in Sustainable Finance from the University of Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership. Anne is here with me today to discuss the Sustainable Finance Disclosures Regulation or SFDR. Welcome to the Compliance Files podcast Anne and thanks for talking to us today we'll dive straight in. We compliance professionals love acronyms, they're incredibly effective and we've got another one called the SFDR. So what does it mean? Hello Cathy and thank you for that introduction and hello
2: to everyone listening. I'm delighted to be part of this latest episode of the Compliance Files. Uh, So yes, as if we didn't already have enough regulatory or policy acronyms in the regulated financial services space, the EU Action Plan on Sustainable Finance has delivered at least one other in the form of the Sustainable Finance disclosures regulation or sfdR so at the heart of the sfdr requirements really is the objective to make available to investors comparable sustainability related information so many people talk about sfdR in terms of ESG disclosure so that's environmental social and governance disclosure and I think that that is appropriate but I actually think sfdR is broader than that personally I feel ESG is one of those terms which is becoming so overused as to become a little meaningless so I think we need to focus on on the substance behind the terminology. So the legal form of the requirements is an EU regulation. This means the rules are directly effective so without the need for Irish domestic legislation to apply them locally. Uh, and I think with SFDR it's useful to remind ourselves of the context and the background to the requirements, particularly because many policy initiatives have paused or changed tack during COVID disruption, but European sustainable finance policy is definitely not one of those. So the EU action plan on sustainable finance is an important work stream supporting the policy objectives of the European Green Deal, and that channels private investment into the transition to a climate-neutral, climate-resilient, resource-efficient, and just economy. Then to put the European Green Deal itself into context, it is, of course, linked to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement. So very briefly, the EU Action Plan outlines 10 reforms in three areas. Firstly, reorient capital flows towards sustainable investment, Secondly, mainstreaming sustainability into risk management. And thirdly, fostering transparency and long-termism in financial and economic activity. And SFDR comes in under that third area. So the reason it's timely to talk about SFDR today, Cathy, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, is that the first deadline under SFDR was on the 10th of March 2021, but that really is just the, the first chapter.
1: OK, look, thanks for that really useful context. and um, and actually you know that that's going to be really useful to a lot of our members and and possibly new to some of them so what kind of entities will sfdr affect
2: so in a nutshell it's european regulated regulated financial services entities uh, so the entities in scope of sfdr are set out really clearly in the legislation actually i always think the who needs to comply is really clear the how they need to comply when it comes to doing it is in practices, perhaps not so clear as it appears on paper. So SFDR refers to financial market participants and financial advisors being in scope. So FMPs and FAs are the, the terminologies often used. use, so more acronyms. So financial market participants are fund management companies. So that's alternative investment managers and usage management companies. So that's very much in the world that I advise in day to day. Insurance undertakings, making available insurance-based investment products or IBIPs. MIFID firms providing portfolio management, pension providers, credit institutions providing portfolio management, qualifying venture capital fund managers, and qualifying social entrepreneurship fund managers. The other category of entities in scope are the financial advisors. So these are insurance intermediaries and insurance undertakings, which provide insurance advice with regard to IBIPs, credit institutions providing investment advice, investment firms providing investment advice, and AFIMs and usage management companies providing investment advice. So you see an important qualification with financial advisors is the provision of investment advice that actually has a specific meaning under SFDR. For the most part, it's linked to the MIFID definition of investment advice, but with some sector-specific references for the different financial market participants. So the requirements under SFDR attach to the entity and the product. So an important first step with SFDR is to identify if your financial entity is in scope, So, for example, a credit institution providing portfolio management is in scope as a financial market participant. But if the credit institution is not providing portfolio management, it's not in
1: scope. Okay, thanks for that, Anne. And what about the products that are in scope?
2: Yeah, so once you've identified if your entity is in scope, the next step is to identify if you have any products in scope of the SFDR disclosure requirements. So again, the financial products are very clearly set out and defined. So it's a portfolio managed in accordance with MIFID requirements, an alternative investment fund, an insurance-based investment product, a pension product, pension scheme, a USITS, or a pan-European personal pension product. And actually then within those product types, there is SFDR product classification rules. And those rules determine the nature and amount of disclosures that are applicable to the financial product. So broadly speaking, these fall into three categories. You have mainstream, you have so-called light green, and you have so-called dark green product classification. So the mainstream products are ones that they don't have a specific ESG or sustainability characteristic. And this is really important because there actually are SFD or disclosure requirements in pre-contractual documents for financial products on a comply or explain basis, even if they don't consider sustainability risks. And if the entity doesn't, if they deem sustainability risks not to be relevant, then there needs to be a pre-contractual disclosure explaining why they don't. So that's mainstream products. Then the light green products, they're sometimes called Article 8 products, are products that promote environmental or social characteristics provided that the companies in which the investments are made follow good governance practices. And then finally, you have dark green products, also called Article 9 products. And that's a product which has sustainable investment as it's objective. And that could be with or without an index designated as a reference benchmark. So essentially, if you're a light green or a dark green product, there are lots more disclosure requirements when you compare it to mainstream products. And they would go on your website, in pre-contractual documents, and in financial statements. So product classification especially light green and dark green can be tricky particularly for existing products actually so it's certainly an area to to pay attention to if you're in
1: scope. Thank you Anne and you mentioned earlier deadline had passed on the 10th of March this year can you just enlighten our listeners as to to what happened and what was the significance of that date and you know what flowed from that date?
2: Yeah sure so on the 10th of March in scope financial market participants and financial advisors uh, had to make sfdr disclosures on websites and in pre-contractual documents so specific disclosures now you can't you can't opt out of sfdr in its entirety but it might be possible depending on what category of financial market participants you are and how your financial product is classified to deal with some of the requirements on a comply or explain basis. So it might be easiest if I maybe give an example of what someone had to do on the 10th of March. So if I pick an example of an Irish alternative investment fund manager managing AFES. So the Irish AFEM as an entity in scope had to publish a sustainability risk policy on its website, as well as updating its remuneration policy to publish on its website how that policy was consistent with the integration of sustainability risks. The AFIM also had to make a statement about principal adverse impacts of investment decisions, both on its website and in the ACE prospectus. And at the AFE product level, there were other disclosures that needed to be inserted into the prospectus. They had to be updated, filed with the Central Bank of Ireland by the 10th of March. And as I said, the type and extent of the disclosures depended on the product classification piece just talked about. So that really was called complying with the level one requirements and you'll hear that phrase used a lot and that's because SFDR is the primary or level one legislation. There are regulatory technical standards or RTS which are level two requirements and they set out more detail about several of the SFDR requirements so that's a really typical European legislative structure that you know you will be used to seeing a lot of. Now the SFDR RTS should have been in place by December 2020, but they were delayed. So we were left in the position of having to comply with the high-level principles in level one without the detail in the RTS, which was a challenge, but actually there were probably pros and cons to that. And then to complicate things a little bit more. On the 2nd of February, the European supervisory authorities issued their final report containing final draft RTS, and that included really detailed things like product disclosure templates, financial disclosure templates, and the really detailed principal adverse impact statement. So I suppose, you know, that was helpful in the sense that it was an attempt to give a clear regulatory position, but I think we need to remember the RTS actually aren't in force yet, not until the European legislative process completes and the European supervisory authorities are proposing an implementation date of the 1st of January 2022 for those. So that will be the next key deadline date for SFDR compliance.
1: And we've heard lots of stakeholder commentary on the principal adverse impact statement. Can you explain for our listeners what is this and what does it mean in practice for um, our members and listeners?
2: Yes, I will, I will try because it's not straightforward. <laughs> so the, the requirement is, right, where principal adverse impacts of investment decisions on sustainability factors are considered, a statement on due diligence must be published with respect to those impacts. So that's quite an unwieldy description, really. So most people refer to it now as the PAI statement. So I think one maybe slightly irreverent way to think about it, uh, it's a kind of a name and shame statement about how the assets in which an entity invests affect sustainability factors. And sustainability factors are actually defined in SFDR. So they mean environmental, social and employee matters, respect for human rights, anti-corruption and anti-bribery matters. So to give kind of a narrow example, if I can, investment in a fossil fuel organisation is your investment and you disclose its greenhouse gas emissions as an adverse impact on the investment environment. So it's really detailed. So this statement is an entity level requirement, on websites from the 10th of March, although there is a complicated phasing in process about its implementation. And it will be a product level requirement in pre-contractual documents on the 30th of December 2022. So it kind of cuts at two different points. There is a template reporting statement in the regulatory technical standards. It's long, it's very prescriptive, it's technical. There are mandatory and opt-in fields that need to be completed. There's quantitative and qualitative information required to populate it. So it's undeniably quite a challenge. You can't comply or explain, but that means you can't ignore it. Even if you're not going to publish one, the entity needs to disclose clear reasons why it opts out. So we would have seen on the 10th of March, some entities opting out of producing it. um, And some of them did that on the basis that they were waiting for the draft regulatory technical standards to be finalized. So a first time principal adverse impact statement Mm -hmm. with all the detail that's needed in the RTS would be published for the first time on the 1st of January, 2022. So that first report is forward-looking. You don't have to look back on a reference period. The reporting requirement with reference to the previous calendar year won't start until the 30th of June, 2023. So there's a bit of time for that. So I guess the first really step for people looking at this, identify if you're in scope, If you are, then you need to decide if you're going to prepare and publish a PAI statement or if you're going to opt out and you need to publish your explanation why. I mean, just one final point of detail. Large entities cannot opt out of doing this they have to produce one and large entities are defined. So in brief summary, they're financial market participants with more than 500 employees. So you know, if you have to publish the statement or you choose to, you need to understand it. You need to identify the assets that need to be disclosed in the statement and also then source the data and metrics to populate it. And then you need to comply with the annual 30th of June reporting requirements.
1: And what would be the considerations for businesses in deciding whether to compile a principal adverse impact statement?
2: In some cases, it will be obvious because I would say if you, if you say I have a dark green or a light green product, it would be really, it would be harder to opt out of preparing this statement because if you're saying I have this kind of product, you're sort of already in the world of sustainable objectives and promoting environmental and sustainable characteristics. So I think it would be a, a harder, a harder ask to explain why you're opting out. I mean, a lot, I think nature, scale, and complexity is relevant here as well. So for a smaller regulated financial service provider, I think you can apply the proportionality principle. And part, part mm-hmm. of that might be mm-hmm. this is way too expensive for me. The, ben- the the benefit of producing this for, you know, the cost of producing this far outweighs the benefit to my investors of actually doing it I think that's a relevant consideration and then the other point is for those larger entities which have 500 employees so probably a good rule of thumb there is if you I think if you're subject to the requirements of the non-financial reporting directive you're probably caught by this large entity definition so if you're in that space then I think you seriously have to be looking at producing the statement.
1: And what um, governance issues arise in relation to SFDR?
2: So I think at a high level, uh, we need to be careful about greenwashing, which is is something that you know is 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 I think on or coming on everyone's agenda really at this stage. So you know that that is things like holding your product out as having environmental characteristics when it doesn't, you know, are taking into account ESG, where, where the product actually doesn't, and also with policies. So the policies that you would need to produce under SFDR, if, if they state that sustainability risks and factors are taken into account on paper, but it's not done in practice, clearly that's a risk as well. And also the challenges I would say around Mm. classifying products as light green or dark green also pose a risk. And and that can be quite tricky. I think misrepresentation is another potential governance issue. So obviously you have all these disclosures, you've disclosures in pre-contractual documents, on websites and financial statements, and each forum of disclosure, I guess, will have its own risks and potential liabilities attaching to it if it's not accurate for the organization or even potentially individuals in the organization. Also think worth remembering that SFDR specifically requires marketing material and communications to be consistent with your SFDR disclosure. So that's another potential area of risk. And there is also a requirement to review disclosures and keep them up to date. I would say ultimate responsibility for Governance for SFDR will be regarded by the regulators at residing at board level or probably maybe designated person level. And maybe depending on the nature, scale and complexity of a firm, there might be a specific C-suite role even, uh, you know, such as the chief sustainability officer who might look after this. But I think that will really vary from sector to sector and and within industries as well. So, I mean, I would say designing a governance and compliance process around all the SFDR requirements will will have a lot of moving parts and, and it's a challenge.
1: And who will be the enforcing body for compliance with SFDR?
2: Yeah, Cathy. So, under SFDR, it's national competent authorities that have the responsibility. So, for Irish entities. It's the central bank of Ireland and actually the Irish legislation appointing the central bank as the competent authority to exercise supervisory and investigatory powers was just published in the last week or so 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 that's that's clear and definite I think it probably remains to be seen exactly what that will look like in the central bank of Ireland I did read some media reports uh, last month actually so that the, the Denmark's financial supervisory authority has actually set up a unit specifically to monitor sustainability disclosures under SFDR and to combat greenwashing so that's interesting in the CBI it could be super at sectoral level, probably most likely. So for funds, certainly we've seen questions being asked at point of authorization, but maybe there is a possibility that the recently established centralised climate unit at
1: the central Bank will have a role here. Yeah, and as our listeners will be familiar with the challenges of embedding frameworks for all other manner of regulation, so I'm sure this one will... Will be, will be the same. It would be just be as challenging to, to to do that embedding work. So phase one is, is over. So what's next? I guess the next deadline date, really,
2: that we have on the roadmap for compliance under SFDR really is the 1st of January 2022. And that's mainly because that's when the level two regulatory technical standards are scheduled to apply from. Now, I guess it's sensible to wait for the European legislative process to complete. So we have effective regulatory technical standards and certainty about those rules for the next phase but it does seem likely that the draft final RTS that were published on the 2nd of February last will be the published form without changes. So once we have those regulatory technical standards, it means that light green and dark green products will have to populate and publish the prescribed pre-contractual templates from the 1st of January. So actually for any existing light green and dark green products that are already updated for the 10th of March, they'll need to do it again for the 1st of January. The detailed PAI statement template in Annex 1 of the RTS will apply from the 1st of January and the 30th of June reporting requirement is phased in at a later date and we touched on that earlier. I think attention is also starting to turn to the financial statement disclosure requirements so similar to the PAI statement phased in approach um, the start date for the detailed RTS disclosure requirements for financial statements is proposed to be delayed so that would only apply in relation to periodic reports with reference periods starting the 1st of January 2022 so that was a bit of welcome news that that was going to be pushed out a little bit. I think it's also a good time now to remind ourselves that the EU taxonomy regulation amends SFDR and adds even more disclosure requirements.
1: Okay, and what is the interplay of SFDR with with taxonomy regulation?
2: Yeah, so the EU taxonomy regulation, I mean, it's another really important initiative under the EU Action Plan on Sustainable Finance. So, I mean, essentially, it's a classification system for green economic activity. It's a whole topic unto itself. You know, we won't we won't go into that here, but it does, as I just mentioned, amend and add to requirements under SFDR for just for light green and dark green financial products and to disclose against taxonomy concepts. So again, to give an example, to illustrate if you're a fund with a sustainable objective, you're dark green, you need to make pre-contractual taxonomy disclosures for the first two environmental objectives of climate adaptation and climate mitigation on the 1st of January 2022. So there's six environmental objectives under the taxonomy regulation. And again, disclosure requirements against these will be phased in. First phase, 1st of January, and the next phase, second phase, being the 1st of January 2023. So we're actually waiting on the draft regulatory technical standards on the taxonomy regulation to give us the detailed requirements about these. It's currently in consultation process. So, again, that's another development that uh, we'll be staying closely tuned to.
1: This has been a really interesting and fascinating, actually, podcast. So have you any other final messages for our listeners, what they you know, what they need to be looking out for?
2: Well, I mean, there's lots. There's always so much to talk about with this. And yeah. it in, as you said, it interplays with so many other sustainability requirements in other regulate, regulation and policy. I mean, there are definitely still parts of the SFDR rules that would benefit from clarification at EU level, you know, such as its application to non-EU, regulated financial services entities, if they have EU products or EU investors, you know, do the product level requirements still apply if you have closed book business? There's data availability to feed into the disclosure requirements is always in the conversation around disclosures. It's a challenge. It's just not really fully there and accessible at the moment. Light green and dark green product classification is tricky, as we said, and there are still questions on the content and practical implications of the PAI statement. I think the overall timelines of what requirements kick in and where can be confusing particularly because the disclosure requirements come from different sources and there's some exceptions and there's some extensions for certain requirements. And also, I think the update of the non-financial reporting directive is interlinked with SFDR and the taxonomy disclosure requirements. And that's because the data that it will release will feed into disclosures. So I think it's important to stay tuned to those developments as well in the hope that they will all at some point become aligned. I mean, we could go into detail on several of these topics. You know, It meant we talked about today individually for a complete separate webinar or podcast, but I think that would be for another day.
1: Thank you, Anne. That's been a really interesting and stimulating podcast. Just even bringing this alive for our, our list has been really beneficial. So I'd really like to thank you sincerely for, for participating in, in this podcast and, and maybe you'll come back again and, and talk about some of the, those other themes that you introduced today. Thank you. Thank you, Cathy. I'd be delighted
0: to. We are delighted to announce our second new educational offering in 2021 the Professional Certificate in Anti-Money Laundering in a FinTech Environment. ACOI and Professional Accountancy Training have collaborated on designing a contemporary practitioner focused course that will provide professionals, practitioners, and other stakeholders with the skills and competencies that support a culture of AML compliance. This course addresses AML requirements from the perspective of a variety of sectors in the context of the technologically driven innovation in financial services. This highly interactive course will be delivered online once a week over 18 evenings by a team of industry professionals from across the fintech ecosystem. Details on the professional certificate can be found on the ACI website or email us at info@aci.ie. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.